help my DTC grow. Strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brand. How can embracing sustainability proper your e-commerce business? Join Phil Kiel from Hello Earth Agency, a vibrant team managing over $3 million in monthly ad spend for 30-plus clients on a growth journey from a humble two-person startup to a 20-strong powerhouse within four years. Dive into the impact and necessity of a sustainability in today's e-commerce landscape, learning from an expert who has nurtured ad spend from a few thousand to millions. In this podcast, you will get the answers to the following questions. What should you do if your brand is not sustainable right now? What are the necessary steps to move it toward a sustainable brand? How could you be unique amongst all the other sustainable brands? How to avoid greenwashing? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I asked all my favorite questions at the end. Books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips and tools to use. Now let's get ready! What sustainability means from an ad point of view looks very different now compared to five years ago. And the reason why is because consumers expect sustainability as the norm, as a requirement. So actually how, how much you shout about sustainability is very different to a few years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe Gen Z won't buy from a company if it's not sustainable. Or it's just the norm. It, it's just like, you know, it's just like someone saying, you know, you get free shipping over $100 or, you know, you get 30 days to return the product. You know, you don't really talk about those things because consumers expect them almost. Do they expect uh, that uh, it should be sustainable locally or globally? Do they see this different uh, point of views? Oh, I, I don't think most consumers have a, an, un- an understanding or a care about whether it is sus- local sustainability or global. Some products, I think, are more up to speed from a local sustainability point of view, such as food, ingredients, meat, employment. You know, a lot of work has gone into investing into those sectors to say, you know, local farms, locally produced, employment for local people. Those are the sort of things that, you know, we've heard quite a few times now. I I think, you know, clothes being manufactured in Portugal and being sold into America is still probably quite normal, even though that's um, most sustainability. The reason why I talked about Portugal is because Portugal is very big from a sustainable fashion point of view. So yeah, I think most customers would think or prioritize sustainability in any form versus just local sustainability. What do you think? What are the products that couldn't be uh, sustainable or couldn't be communicated as sustainable in the long run are there any products like that fashion is obviously hard to become sustainable because most clothing is manufactured in the in east in the east in china you know for poor wages you know it consumes a lot of water so there's both a lot of challenges there but at the same time there is a lot of low-hanging fruit to make improvements on so if you can find materials that don't use as much water if you can pay people good wages because sustainability is really important for both people and planet it's not just reduce co2 or reduce how much water you, you use it's actually about you know being a sustainable business that doesn't take advantage of people and, and paying them a fair wage so that they can then go on and live a sustainable life rather than, you know, both taking advantage of the planet and people. Yeah, fashion is obviously a big issue, but at the same time, there's a lot of wins that can be applied to that sector. Uh, obviously, plastic-based, oil-based products, again, there are recyclable, you know, recyclable plastic and recycled plastic products, but most plastic is like oil-based. And obviously, there's a big issue there around where that oil comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a new fashion trend that the the fur is sustainable, like a chinchilla or other kind of animal furs, because they could not harm the environment as much 
as plastic or, or other products. Yeah, but what, what should I do if my brand, my D2C brand uh, is not sustainable right now? And what do you think, what are the necessary steps to move it toward a sustainable brand? You can't improve what you can't measure mm-hmm. or what you aren't measuring. So first of all, you need to get a benchmark of understanding how much how much of an impact is my business currently having on the planet and people. And there's a number of tools online that can help you measure that. So that could be um, like a CO2 audit. It could be like a water or an energy audit. So both there's the production of the product and then there's also the getting the product into the customer's hands. And there's lots of services out there that can help you audit your current um, impact, like an impact report in most cases. This will, this will be what it's called. Don't try and improve and become more sustainable. Uh, first, first understand where the issues are. Like doing a website audit, don't just go out and try and fix the website. First, you've got to get an understanding of what parts of the website you need to fix. So is it the speed? Is it the UI? Is it the UX? Uh, Is it the platform that it's on? So yeah, measure, measure your sustainability and then decide, okay, so what has the lowest hanging fruit and I can do quickest and focused on those bits and work down. It could be you change where your product is manufactured to somewhere that is more people and planet focused, you know, greener energy, you know, paying our staff fairer wages, those sort of things. Or it could actually be changing the product mix to go from using X material to Y material. So there really is a lot of, like I've said, low hanging fruit for many businesses. You could also try and offset your impact. So offset the CO2 that you are creating um, but obviously that's that's more of a short-term fix because you're still creating that co2 when you when you offset yeah and when you breed <laughs> yeah. okay <laughs> it's like uh yeah I have, I have to go through this sustainability audit and afterwards my brand will be sustainable how would i see the difference when i wasn't sustainable and when i'm sustainable is is there any change in revenue or profit what do you see in the, in the industry the purpose of Becoming sustainable, and obviously sustainable is a tricky word because sustainable isn't a destination. Mm-hmm. It's a way. Sustainable is like, it's a journey. It's, it's a way of you know running a business. It's a way of living or, or trying to become more sustainable because you know we could go quite deep on this, but any sort of consumption is not sustainable. Any, any sort of use of any material is not sustainable because in most cases you use more than you can put back in. Some of the benefits, what's going to happen when you invest in sustainability, you're investing in both people and planet. So you're making more of a positive impact to the people that you employ. You're making a positive impact to your customers because their consumption is going to be reduced, hopefully. And you're making a positive impact to the planet, i.e. you're reducing the amount of resources that you use from the planet and you know the carbon impact that you have on the planet. Why might someone do that? Ultimately, because it's the right thing to do. And also because you're safeguarding the business as sustainability laws become more likely become introduced and customers expect more, they may move away from cheap products that are manufactured in China and may want you know a higher quality, more considered product. From a customer acquisition point of view as well, you're going to increase the value of that customer because that customer is going to be more considered. It's not going to be an impulse purchase. And it's likely you're going to differentiate yourself from competitors in the market how could i differentiate myself from other sustainable brands so if almost everybody will be sustainable and green how could i be different from them that's the ultimate end goal that actually sustainability isn't a unique selling point everyone is sustainable and like i said at the start sustainability is just like free shipping or returns it's just boring and what makes 
you differentiate yourself at that point really comes down to the purpose and the intent that you have around your sustainability, i.e. who is doing what they say they're doing. So like you said at the start, you know, McDonald's, uh, they say they do a lot for sustainability, but maybe they don't. So who is who can actually put their hand on their heart and show the evidence that they're doing what they say they're doing? And there's, there's tools coming out now that share information like that with customers. Ultimately, it comes back to marketing principles. So who has the best product? Who has the best story? who is generating the most aspirational brand story that customers want to invest in. And actually it's about you know doing the best work that you possibly can and that's how you differentiate yourself. And what do you think? How could uh, brands avoid greenwashing? So if, if the CEO just uh, thinks that, okay, we were sustainable, we were just, I don't know, plant one tree for every user and it's just $1 and everybody said that, okay, maybe it's not a good way to be sustainable. Oh yeah, 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 people will buy it. I don't care. Or what, what is a good way? Yeah, it really comes down to challenging yourself internally and having a really honest conversation about it, 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 is this actually right for people, planet and customer? That same challenging approach can be applied to every part of the business. So is this the best quality product that we can put out there? Do we have any hesitations about this product? Are we doing a really good service to our customer? And that's the same with sustainability, really challenging internally and having you know, an external review, potentially bringing in experts and not just doing it skin deep. That's the same with product and brand. You know, don't just do branding skin deep, but really invest in what your brand and your brand story is. And that's the same with sustainability. Don't just do it as, you know, a tick box exercise because that is that is greenwashing. And how to spot if somebody does greenwashing from a customer side? So Yeah, good question. So if you've, you've really got to dig deep into are they doing and challenging their approach? Are they doing what they say they're doing? So they should really have some sort of sustainability report on their website. You really should be able to request that information from the brand. They should have that product material, you know, information. If they say they're using organic cotton, really digging into and challenging. Okay, so, but what does that mean? Where is that coming from? What is the mix of the cotton that is going into the product? Yeah, and, and challenging to check that it's not just skin deep. It is considered and intentful. If the brand is investing in every part of their business, so like I said, brand, product, marketing, storytelling, it's likely that they're going to invest in sustainability the same amount um, or more, potentially. If they're not a very good brand and their product isn't very good, then it's likely that they are greenwashing. Mm -hmm. And what do you think? What, what differentiates a media strategy for sustainable brands or marketing strategy from other brands. So are there any difference between marketing a sustainable brand or another brand? Yeah, so there's two main differences that, that we will apply and we will go through. It's what part of the sustainability approach is important to the customer acquisition journey. So if there's a couple of different reasons why you are sustainable or, or a couple of different elements in which you're working to become more sustainable, which one of those do we think is most important to communicate with the customer, you know, in a Facebook ad or in a, in a welcome flow email or on the website? In most cases, you'll need to test that. So we might think it's this, but actually customers are most interested in, you know, we might think it's that the cotton is recycled or it consumes less water in its manufacturer. But actually, people are interested in the how fair we're treating our employees and the, the community that we're building in around the factory that we're invested in. So checking what message and testing what message customers care about, and then also checking at what point you highlight that. Because if you think about a Facebook ads funnel, you might think we're going to communicate this sustainability message first thing. The first thing they see from our brand 
is right at the top. A few years ago, you could win with that approach because there was only a few brands who were taking that approach. So consumers really engaged with it. Now, in most cases, you need to lead with the brand and the product. And then in retargeting the welcome flow on the website, highlight how you are sustainable, how you are considered and intentful when it comes to people and planet. So it becomes more of a secondary message in most cases, but we just have these extra marketing messages that we can communicate at the right time. Yeah, you mentioned uh, before that communicating sustainability constantly, maybe it's not a good idea. So maybe in top of the funnel, you couldn't win with that. But in other contents, how should I, I don't know, plant those seeds of sustainability or, or what kind of content do I really need to do? You said that if from a customer side, if I'm asking, it, is it organic? Is it where, where is, does the cotton came from? Yeah, these, these are the basics. What are the ones that maybe could differentiate in email or in other communication or in video content that is now so trendy? How, how could I make content for a sustainable brand that it doesn't 100% about the green stuff? It's, it's really important to decide what percentage of your marketing messages are going to be allocated to sustainability. And that could be, you know, 10, 15, 20%. And then for every piece of marketing, allowing that those messages to come through. So from a video point of view, you said like video is very popular. So that could be like a UGC video. And that could be, you know, three reasons why I love this product. The first two reasons could be product led. The third reason could be, you know, and because it's a more sustainable option than the competitors that are out there. So that's an example of how you could weave that message into your marketing. Another really important way that we found success is sometimes the message from the brand will, or most, in most cases, the message from the brand will come from the brand. You know, the message will come from the logo. We found really good success, especially from a sustainability point of view, where that message comes from the founder or a person at the brand that, that is the face of that brand. So if it's like a founder story, how did I make the brand? You know, why did I make this product? I had a pain point that I wanted to solve. So I, I created this brand and this product could have someone walking through, you know, the factory where it's manufactured and it's, you know, all handcrafted. That's a really good opportunity for the message to be communicated from a person and make it really, make a real strong connection with that customer. And how to make a community around the brand. I know that maybe sustainability people have lots of common things and tend to be uh, seeing themselves as a tribe. So the tribe mentality is in, in their blood. Maybe it's easier to build a community around a brand if they are sustainable. I don't know. It, it's just a theory. In most cases, a, sustain, a, a brand that's trying to be sustainable will also be you know, high quality and potentially more premium than competitors out there. And therefore, it's likely that the customer that you are acquiring is invested in that brand and wants to be a part of that journey. And therefore, chances of building a community will be higher. How do you build that community? The majority of that is, first of all, just building a place for that community to exist. So if that is physically in Facebook groups or Telegram or you know, offline and it's in Instagram or, or somewhere else, or you do a podcast where customers come on, building a place where people can join and then inviting them to take part in most cases is, is the biggest hurdle that brands don't take. The second hurdle is obviously then investing in that community over time because a community isn't just built over a weekend when someone thinks that it's a good idea. It's, it's built over years. It takes real hard work. I've read on your website that you are also dealing with uh, non-conventional products. 
for Facebook and Google and other platforms. So you are also an agency for non-commercial products like, uh, I don't know, maybe Spotify wouldn't let me uh, say those products. How to market those products? Uh, maybe you, you, you could say what kind of products are they? Like cannabis products or, or some other, other good for the earth and for the people products. It depends. And uh, what would be the mistake of, of doing uh, this kind of advertisement? Yeah, so first of all, the, the mistake is triggering any policies that these platforms don't want you to to break so you know if it's any sort of regulated substance or age regulated so even alcohol in some instances can can cause issues or you know women's sort of sexual health you know if that if, if it's a certain type of product that these platforms can become sensitive about then you you have to dodge around these policies and um, in most cases, we're careful about the language that we use and we're careful about where we send those customers. So making sure that the ads are considered and reviewed, making sure the landing page is considered and reviewed. And the big, the biggest issue that most brands, the biggest mistake that most brands make is making claims. These platforms really don't like it when you make a claim about a product, you know, what it can cure, what it can solve, the benefit that it can have to your your person. So A, being considered about the ad copy and, and being careful about any claims um, is really important. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they are almost the same as other products. Yeah, for sure. It's the, it's the same marketing messages. It's, it's agitating problems. It's problem and solution. It's FOMO, social proof. It's, it's trying to generate that tribe and sense within the creative is really what drives conversion. If you had the time and energy to write a book or launch a course about sustainability D2C brands and marketing, what would be the title of that? Uh, profit and purpose would is, is definitely the focus for that course, for sure, because the businesses exist to generate a profit. Um, ideally, a business would have a purpose as well as that profit, but you can't make an impact with your purpose without generating profit in a sustainable manner and sustainable from a business point of view means you are making more money than you, are, than you are spending. So we're really invested in sustainable businesses and businesses that have a purpose, but at the same time, you know, sustainable profit and loss. Yeah. If you don't have profits, you won't have impact. Yeah, exactly. And last but not least, I want to give some seeds and nutrition for D2C brands to grow. So I have four quick questions and I want some quick answers from you. First is what books or influencers would you recommend to read or follow as a D2C brand? Yeah, really good question. I mean, I'm quite often active on Twitter. So there's plenty of people on Twitter that are uh, worth following. Um, Nick Shackelford on Twitter is, is worth giving a follow. He's very active from both an agency point of view, building an agency and also building brands. And is quite honest about sort of the mistakes that, that he's made over time. I would, a broad brush, would try and ignore people who communicate that they've got the answer for every situation. And I would try and follow people who share sort of warts and all approaches. So what I generally try to do is this works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. And that, that's, that, those are the sort of best people to follow. Great. The second question is, what is the biggest mistake that D2C brands could make? The single biggest one. You already mentioned one, but you could say another. Yeah. The biggest mistake is trying to run someone else's race. And what I mean by that is seeing what other brands are doing. Potentially you've read a case study, 
you've read their approach, you're trying to replicate what they're doing, and at a scale that they are doing, potentially they're 10 times bigger than you, and you're trying to play catch up. The most important thing is to really define what success is for you and stay in your own lane and and try and win at that lane from a profitable point of view. Great, great advice. Don't, don't outrun the best runner in the world. It will be a short race because you will run out of steam long before. And and if you're following what, like, say if a brand is venture capital funded oh, and you're not, of course, they're playing in a different game than you are. Yeah, it, it, it is also existing in a software as a service industry that, oh, we need this fe- feature, that feature, another feature. And yeah, we, we saw that, okay, they are VC backed and they could do almost anything uh, in a short term. Maybe they will just, I don't know, go bankrupt after a while. But yeah, they're keeping up the race. Okay, the third one is, could you tell me your quick growth tip related to D2C brands or sustainability D2C brands that they could apply the next day that they listen to our podcast. Quick tip is if you are trying to improve your cost per acquisition, you've got to understand that that cost per acquisition is under your control and you've got to analyze what levers I've got to pull to make an impact on that co- on that cost per acquisition. So is that I've got to try and communicate my message more clearly. I've got to tap into more of a human truth, i.e. what can I impact this person at their core to make them become a customer straight away or or what creative format or um, you know ad account tactic can I use to try and impact that CPA? Your CPA is under your control. A lot of the time it's really about analyzing what lever to pull to make a big enough impact on that. Great. And the last one is, what tools would you use as a DTC brand for growth? We are heavily invested in Facebook ads. Um, we, are, we are an agency that was born out of Facebook ads. So I still believe that Facebook ads is, is the right place, the best place to acquire our customers at scale. I know a couple of years ago, many brands were moving on to TikTok because it was the you know the secret to iOS 14 issues. But yeah, brands, huge brands, grow with a sh- with a small tech stack, and that is Facebook ads, Google, email, Clavio, Shopify site, TikTok. It's all the stuff that everyone else is using. It's just they're focused on doing the best they can. Thanks, Phil for accepting my call and giving this tremendous amount of value for the listeners. Thanks, Miklos. And don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.